Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode seventeen of Naked Data Science, the number one podcast for people who lead data science projects and teams. In this episode, we talk about the art of reinventing the wheel in data science work. We discuss how data science is done in three different types of organizations, three common mistakes people make when borrowing ideas, how we created our own agile methodology, and the importance of finding your own answer. Enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Naked Data Science. This is Hao, and I'm Nima. What are we going to talk about this time? Today we want to talk about reinventing the wheel, or actually situations where we might end up reinventing the wheel when working on data science projects. There are many fields who are close in work to what we do in data science or data-driven problem solving. There are disciplines that have been facing similar problems, similar challenges. For instance, software engineering is one of the closest relatives to data science, and in a lot of organizations, somehow mixed with it. That's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about About opportunities to learn from other disciplines in data science, as well as what we need to be careful about when applying or using solutions that have been found in other disciplines. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that. One of the first example coming to my mind is on the estimation side. It's quite well known in software engineering that there is a lot of uncertainty around any kind of estimation. So that's why you have all kind of estimation methods or approaches, like planning poker or the story points and this kind of thing. We talk about this several times before in the show that the same kind of uncertainty in planning and estimating also happens in data science, but probably a lot more. Than how it happens in engineering. So this is definitely one field that is worth looking into if you are working in the field of data science. However, there's something there that you really need to keep in mind. A lot of times across different disciplines or fields, you might have similar enough challenges. And one simple approach is to say, okay, let's just take the solution that was found in the previous field and then use it in this new field and see how that works out. If we just follow that, and it should work, kind of, but then with two caveats. One is that you should really pay attention to why the solution was done in a certain way. You'll probably see some motivation that might or might not apply to the new field. And second thing is that if you take the practice from another field, then I would say it's an art rather than a science to know. Okay, how much do we keep following the exact way of how things were done in this other field versus how soon or what we start tweaking to see if certain things work? Because if you start tweaking too early, you haven't learned enough about why certain things work before. And just human being human, quite often people need time to adopt to certain things, especially if certain changes are not originating from them. On the other hand. You also don't want to get stuck in repeatedly doing things that are not working again and again until it's too late. I think you mentioned an interesting point of looking at where the commonalities come from. From that point of view, you can see there are a lot of fields that deal with problem solving under uncertainty, dealing with complex systems, and typically with solutions that are made by groups of people. This is what is happening in most data science projects, and that's where you can also trace back potentially the principles that are fueling. 
these practices and thinking about the fundamentals that are aimed at by those practices and see how they can be then adapted and adopted in a specific ways in data science or data-heavy projects. I think the history is also kind of interesting here. At the beginning, the field that maybe mostly shaped or was viewed as closest to data science was just research and development. It could be either industrial R&D or academic research. It seemed like the mentality of research and unpredictability of research was accepted to be around data science, but also practices that were popular in research. Even the timelines that were expected or more common in how academic research was typically being done. And of course, those early days passed. And then data science got more embedded in a lot of organizations, besides the cases where it was a completely new department or completely new domain. Data science started being integrated into the way of working that most companies worked. There, I think, there is an interesting fact that might be forgotten. Depending on the organization where data science got integrated and got embedded, there might be very different forms of way of working that shape the way that data science projects are done, largely because of contextual and historical reasons. So if you look at the spectrum of how differently data science work are being done, like you mentioned, what is one side of the spectrum and what is the other side of the spectrum? I'm not certain if I can find two extremes that this applies to, but at least there are a few corners to this. I can give some examples of different types of data science in organizations. For instance, a very common example is data science in places where software was already being made. Software development was a heavy or major part of their work. This could be mixed or not mixed with an online product development. And in these settings, I think a lot of practices that were common in software development but also shaping how data science work was being done and of course a lot of them make a lot of sense for instance agile is one of the more common frameworks and ways of working that shapes data science work and a lot of thinking there is applicable or is consistent with at least the principles are consistent with how you can approach complex problems in data science as well the basic principles of moving in small iterations getting quick feedback preferring action and learning over long-term planning are also useful practices for doing data science projects. On the other hand, in some places which were more product-focused and maybe not even super heavy on the software side of things, you can see that design thinking and design practices might have shaped also the way that data science projects or data-heavy endeavors are led. So a lot of meetings with post-it notes on the wall, I know it's a stereotype, but at least that kind of culture is what I'm trying to capture with this. And interestingly, data science also entered organizations that were not prior to that, even information technology heavy. Definitely they were not software makers. An example of that is a lot of typical consultancies. They all started jumping on the bandwagon, but also in a positive way, creating value by doing more data-driven solutions and bringing more data science into their work. And there you can see that 
the way of working, the culture, the whole ecosystem around data science was shaped a lot by the culture that is common in consultancies. For instance, a lot of focus on presentation, on interaction with customers, maybe even directly or indirectly influences from lean startup thinking. And of course, the lean philosophy and the lean way of thinking itself is affecting agile, but also affecting a lot more than traditional applications of lean. These are just some of the examples. I don't know if you can put them really on different extremes, but definitely there are different flavors that can shape how data science projects are practiced and what way of working data scientists end up being embedded in. And we certainly also have tried different things and try to incorporate different mental models or best practices from other disciplines when leading our own teams. I think what really helped me is a couple of things. One is that you always want to get multiple perspective, never just read one book. So for example, if you are interested to adopt some kind of agile software development methodology, don't just read one book about Scrum. Read a couple of books that have different perspectives on agile methodology. Talk to different kind of companies because that will give you different perspectives. And after you have done this, after you have read three, four books or talk to five, six different people, you start seeing a pattern some commonality in what they tell you about what is working and what is not working and it will be super valuable if you take that and then combine that with your understanding of your organization the expectations on your team and how people usually work together and the type of challenge that your team is facing that is something i can definitely suggest if you are trying to borrow something from another field then try this out yeah, and in not reinventing the wheel, it could be easy to take a solution and just try to run with it or even sometimes taking it biblically as something that cannot be modified and should be practiced as it is. That's why we also mentioned it's crucially important that you understand why a certain practice was chosen. And of course, it's really valuable to also learn the lessons of applying that practice. So for instance, you mentioned the Scrum. After knowing what Scrum is, you can also easily find hundreds of sources at least that go over pros and cons of running Scrum, that go over teams in which Scrum works better versus teams and cultures and environments where Scrum does not work very well. And I think that's also part of not reinventing the wheel, to learn from the lessons that are already learned, so not necessarily pay all the price again, and to understand the principles and the fundamentals behind a specific practice. You also mentioned something very useful. Take a practice, take a tool, and try it out for a while, probably without modifications, and then take it as an experiment. A useful attitude there is to always expect you need to make changes to a practice depending on your specific situation and also be ready to throw away a practice because there's no guarantee that it necessarily works for your situation. And also, especially when you are leading a team, for example, if you are the tech lead or you lead a cross-functional team, no matter your background, something to keep in mind is that if you adopted a certain practice, it would be a wrong expectation to say, I'll just leave it to the team members. Whatever doesn't work, they will point it out and they will take the initiatives to change it themselves. In our experiences, we saw really mixed results from this expectation. Because you need to think about that a lot of times it could be intimidating for people to voice up. It could be very intimidating for them to say, hey, you know, I know we tried this thing, but then this part is really bothering me. And also a lot of times things might be bothering people, but it might not be bothering them enough for them to really make a case for it. 
and not to stereotype. If you think about the typical engineering and data science type of personality and characteristic you work with, people would just try to find a way around it because they are problem solvers. So therefore, if you are leading the team and you are introducing a new methodology, it is your responsibility to keep an eye on how that is going and proactively steer that towards a version that works well for your team and the challenge you are facing. Again, this is the part that it's more an art than science because there's no formula we can plug in and share with you and say, look, yeah, if this factor is this, that factor is that, then this is how long you should keep that going. If you are new team lead, then expect that you won't get this right in the first time or the second time, but then over time you will get pretty good at it. It's useful to measure two things at the same time. One is maybe a black box way of looking at your team. So you adopted a new practice. It's helpful to take a distance from your team, look at the output of your team, and see how things are moving there. But on itself, it can be a bit short-sighted as well. Definitely, it's a more complete picture of everything if you also directly check on your team, gathering information from people proactively about how they are feeling with this way of working. What do they think are the drawbacks of this way of working and the benefits of a specific tool or practice that you adopted? It's interesting that the people side of things is also a focus on these related disciplines. For instance, agile software development focuses a lot on the happiness of people, but also the relationship between people. Even in lean manufacturing, but definitely in lean way of thinking, there's a lot of emphasis on what motivates people and how different teams perform with different levels of motivation. And that's what we also mean by taking a look at the wheels that have been invented and learning from their lessons. These principles are sometimes so fundamental that they can point to changes and iterations in the specific practices that you can derive from these principles. The principle of taking a move, taking an action, evaluating how that action made an impact in the world, learning from it and iterating definitely applies to different practices about your way of working. So as you mentioned, you can start by adopting a specific practice as it is or as it was practiced by, for instance, software developers. Use it in your team, but then according to the more basic principles, keep track of how it's actually affecting your team and then make a learning from that and go for an adjustment of that principle and try to do it also in quick feedback loops. So that's applying the same way of thinking to the tools that you borrow from these really deep principles and fundamentals. One example is that in software development, especially in digital native businesses, so companies started doing software themselves instead of a more traditional company trying to transition to that, you see very typically that they use some kind of agile methodology that fix the scope of what the team is working on and also fix the resource or the cost of what the team is working on, but then leave the time perspective open. So if you know about the project management triangle, these are the three factors and one key fundamental mindset is that you can control any two of the three factors, but not all three at the same time. And that is due to the inherent uncertainty and complexity of any modern software projects. However, when we were working out at the iteration of our team's way of working, we look at the project triangle, but instead of adopting any specific agile methodology, we say, wait a minute, if data science work, is more like R&D than production, then wouldn't it be better if we fix the time and the resources, but leave the scope relatively open? 
if you are familiar with typical agile methodology used in software engineering, like Scrum, like Kanban, for example, this is very contradictory because you have the user stories, your scope is set. But then what we found out, at least in early stage and also greenfield data science projects where there is a lot of uncertainty, it's much better to fix the time instead of the scope. Because if you say we give a time box, you can always aim for a delivery, a iteration with some variation in scope. I don't think it's against the agile principles, but that might be contradictory to Scrum or Kanban, which are specific realizations of the agile methodology. Yeah, yeah. I think if you read the agile principles, I like it more than any specific agile methodology. Like you say, any agile methodology is a manifestation of those principles, but then they emphasize different things. Some companies use Kanban, some companies use Scrum, some companies use other stuff. And that is all because even following the same principles, there are many, many different ways on how specifically you do Agile. Exactly. And it might be a good point to also mention that although there are solutions worked on and although there are tools already developed in related disciplines that could be useful for data science work, we should always keep in mind that Nobody knows the answer. The problem is not solved yet. So for instance, about Agile, probably you can find at least five to 10 talks that are talking about the death of Agile, that there is no more Agile anymore and what is left of Agile or what should be the future of Agile. Because people are passionately working on these things. People are still looking for the solutions and there are still learnings about how these things can work better in practice and how they can also cope with the changing environment about technology, the way of working, people's expectations, and so many other things. It's important not to confuse an existing solution with a solution that is finalized. Technology also plays a big part, just like how much the, the change in technology enabled DevOps to become something that changed how a lot of companies do things, how a lot of companies build their softwares. But then the way of working tend to change a lot slower than the technology. And that makes sense because there is a certain cadence how fast people can change. There is also identities and self-image people build around the role they have. And a lot of them are also based on how certain things are done in their team and in their organizations, in their daily work. That's why things always tend to change slower. Meanwhile, as a team lead, if you are leading a data science team, but even if you don't have the official role of a lead, you can still raise questions, you can still make suggestions, and you can still look at how you are doing things and point out, hey, everyone, this doesn't seem to make sense anymore. Shall we just change that? I think that doesn't happen and it's not easy, especially when it's not your job to do it. It's already very difficult, even if it's your job to do it, right? But then there were quite a few times that we got suggestions and we got feedback like this from our team members. And those are very valuable. We try them out in different ways and it usually work quite well. But okay, so in order to borrow something from another field, you need to have first an idea about why it is, right? For me, naturally, like I mentioned, I read some books, I talk to some people about it. How about you? Do you do something different? What is your way when you start looking into a new field and see if there's something you can borrow? 
There are fields which we got already involved in, for instance, experience in software development, working in places where software development was kind of the main task. Naturally, then you got just exposed to a lot of topics by following what are the main problems or main concerns for one domain. The other way I end up finding about related fields or related practices is typically kind of a search process when I'm looking for solutions toward the basic fundamental. And I realize after a while that it seems like that this discipline is also mentioning this term or talking about it. The surprising case was actually design thinking and design principles. So I never went really deep into design as a field to study or really understand the main theories or the main ways of thinking in design. But then once I was exploring other fields who have thought about what are the most important questions, I started running again and again into articles and books and resources related to design. And then there's a turning point. Maybe there's something really deeper in here. And then seeing the cycle of AI affecting design through the pioneering works of Herbert Simon in his attempts in structuring problem solving, defining ill-structured and well-structured problems that became the basis for making design a science and then definitely design affecting products and then products getting mixed with AI again. Suddenly you get exposed to a vast body of literature, articles and books that talk about design principles. Some of them are directly applicable to most data science work, for instance, the emphasis on understanding your problem, identifying the most important questions, a lot of overlap between that way of thinking and even lean and agile. I think most of the times this comes into exposing yourself to other disciplines. So you could by accident notice commonalities. And if you're a bit unluckier, like I was with design, you might end up after searching for specific topics or principles or concepts to find the bridge that really connects the vocabulary you're using and the concepts that you're facing to the problem that you were researching. I think it's similar to what they recommend in job hunting, right? So when you are looking for a job, you should really try to network with people that are outside your existing network because most of the new job opportunities will come from those people. I think it's the same when it comes to borrowing concepts from another field. Sometimes further away fields, as an expert, you turn to ignore those. You turn to not to pay attention to them. You might even come across them when you are looking for methods to solve a certain problem, and it's very common for you to ignore them. However, if you just follow through, look into that a little bit next time this happens, more often than not, you will find patterns that are applicable. And worst case scenario, it kind of stimulates your brain to think in a very different way. And that in and of itself, a lot of times, also help you to get out of whatever you got stuck on. Yeah, absolutely. And there might be even more obvious blind spots depending on what you're more familiar with. For instance, version control or a lot of other best practices that are just a standard in making software these days might be still not the most familiar practices for consultancy who is doing data science or even for some people who have a rather deep statistical background and are into analysis. The software development related techniques might not be the most familiar. This also applies in project management projects that deal with groups of people who are making some sort of software and in most of data science we are building some sort of software and if you look at some books from for instance 1990s that talk about typical mistakes in software development there are still practices and examples that happen daily in a lot of data science projects 
Let me just name three of them to you and you can see how often we face these things. Jumping into coding, so basically not paying enough attention to designing and to thinking about your problem before coding it. Shortchanging quality analysis in favor of development. And the third one, silver bullet syndrome. None of them have gone away. And it's a shame if you're starting as a data science lead, even as a data scientist, and you don't have access and you don't take advantage of learnings like this that have been available before. Another one that I think is really worth mentioning, and we've seen it creep into our work time and time again, is the concept of technical debt that is rather well studied in software development. And in different shapes, and maybe even in more wicked shapes, it enters data science work as well. Yeah, I think this is another example of how human history is just things happen again and again. Nothing under the sun is new and everything happened before. I guess this is a good time to close this episode, tradition of the show. If you are going to give one practical advice to our audience that they can take action on tomorrow based on everything we discussed, what would that be? My takeaway this time would be focusing on practices that you've adopted from other fields. Go back to the roots and to the reasons that some of these practices were introduced and see how much they really apply to your work. Think about them as experiments and ideally define some way of measurements that enables you to compare different practices and different ways of working. Definitely don't take them for granted and question their roots. On my side, I would say ask one colleague or someone in your network that you trust and feel comfortable with who is not a data scientist and say, hey, I'm interested in your field. What do you think is the most important concept that me or most data scientists wouldn't know that actually can be very valuable for us to know? And I think you will like the answer a lot. So that's it. That's the end of this episode. Thank you for listening and see you next time. See you next time. Just one last thing before you go. If you are not a data scientist yet, but want to become one, you should really attend our webinar. We will demystify the transition into data science. We'll show you the most effective way to build your skills, and we'll advise you on the four possible options you can take to go from where you are to landing a data science job in as little as nine months. Find out more at nds.show forward slash webinar. That is nds.show forward slash webinar. All right, that's the end of this episode. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm.